This is Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. Pew, pew, pew. A podcast that knows, yes, your workplace is sexist and racist. You're so lucky. I'm Eula <laughs> Scott Bynum. I'm Jeannie Yandel. And if you like the show, please help us make it. Become a patron at patreon.com slash BPSW. Mm-hmm. You'll get all kinds of goodies like stickers and mugs and extra bonus conversations with us. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited because today is part two of our conversation with the host of the excellent podcast, The Vocal Fries. Yeah. The podcast about linguistic discrimination. Mm-hmm. Megan Figueroa is a linguist, writer, and research scientist. And Carrie Gillen is a linguist and the language planner and researcher for the Squamish Nation in British Columbia. Welcome back, you two. Thanks for having us back. Yes. Oh, happy to. We're grateful. So we have some listener stories and questions about voice policing. Are you ready? We're ready. Yep. Excellent. Okay, so the first is from Maya Aina. My name is Mayowa Aina, and I am a reporter and producer, so I work um, as a journalist in the Pacific Northwest. I am uh, 28. I've been doing that for about five years, and I mostly work on the radio. So most of, pretty much all of my professional career has been on the radio. And I hope you're all sitting down because... She's gotten a lot of feedback on her voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when she's introduced to someone or she's chatting casually with her family, people often mock her voice or try to imitate her because her voice has always been higher pitched. She says it even happens on dates when people first meet her. They say stuff like, oh, you sound so much younger. And then on the radio in a professional setting, she's been told she needs to enunciate or slow down. She's been told she needs to end her sentences on a downbeat and not an upbeat. Oh, boy. I've gotten that one before, too. She's Mm. been told to bring her register down because it's too high. And so you get this, like, advice in radio all the time to speak casually as if you were speaking with your friend. But when Maya does that, she's told she's too casual. Mm. And so the feedback on her voice is coming from both listeners and from the people she works with. Yes, that also resonates with me, too. So she says on a daily basis, she feels like she spends 30 to 45 percent of her work life thinking about how she sounds. So I know that's a lot of time and energy. So she has some questions she sent in. She recorded herself uh, for the vocal fries. Why do we have such a visceral reaction to people's voices? I think it's very interesting because we do. especially as people who work on the radio and get feedback all the time, whether it's in-house or from listeners. And it's often not about the content. It's about how this person sounds. And (laughs) why is that such a big deal? I think it's because it's an emotional thing. Like our voices tell the world so much about who we are, you know, our gender, our age, usually uh, our race, almost always, um, Something. It tells, it tells a bunch of things about who we are, where we're from, unless we're really good actors and we've got a bunch of accents <laughs> in our pocket. But for most of us, you know, it's, it, it tells us where we're from. And so I think it's that this emotional thing and we don't even really realize it's emotional. And so when we're reacting to someone's voice and think, oh, I don't like that person's voice. The only way to interpret that is emotion, because intellectually it doesn't mm. make any sense to react. Right. Hmm. That's interesting, Carrie. What do you think, Megan? I mean, it goes back to emotions and memories. And because, you know, what it is when we think of a gay voice is that we have in our head like these exemplars of people that we have known to be gay, say gay men, 
And then we had taken all of their voices and kind of like the, have this average. And that's why we have mm-hmm. a gay, like that's what mm-hmm. we think gay people sound like. But it's because of experience. Again, like all language and language varieties are equal. There's no reason to say that this should be the gay voice or not. It's just that that's how, um, in our experience, gay men have sounded. Mm. Um, so when you think about that, yeah, again, it goes back to our emotions about these groups of people or identities and all of that. I think a lot, for example, of people call um, called Hillary Clinton shrillery, and I think that someone even actually admitted to this in an article they were writing, um, is that she reminded them of her their wife nagging them. Ugh, God. That's right. I forgot about that, but yes, that's right. Fun. I feel so bad for their wife. Ugh. Ugh. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? This is how your husband thinks of you. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I yeah. hate him. Yeah, me too. This person. <laughs> yep. But I thought that was super telling. It's super telling. It's really telling. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really strongly despise men who talk about women like that. Mm-hmm. Especially the ones they supposedly love. Yeah. When you said supposedly, Carrie, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> well, don't, don't be so blatant in your reality. Don't, don't, don't tell the truth so, so straight up sometimes. It, it might go over our heads. So Mayo has another really good question. She asks, what are the psychological impacts on a person when they're criticized for their voice? Oh, well, not a psychologist, mm-hmm. but sure. um, <laughs> I mean, I I think it really comes down to like, who are you? How much have you already been criticized before in the past? How much have you processed already? And how much have you not? So the first time you get criticized, mm-hmm. you completely take it on, right? Yeah. 100% is going to hurt you. Um, you are going to think that you have done something wrong that is somehow your fault. And hopefully over time you realize, no, it's just some random person's random opinion that you really should not take on. They're almost always wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even where they're slightly right, they'll be nicer about it than Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone who does a lot of cognitive science research, there is actually psychological effects of this in the workplace, it leads to feelings of, well, if I'm never going to be good enough, then why should I even bother? Mm -hmm. And if you're, let's say, I mean, if you're a black woman, because again, with thinking of things intersectionally, they experience a lot more shit than a white woman or a gay white man, right? So um, if you're a black woman in the workplace, And you're expected to code switch. You're expected not to bring in the language that you may use with your auntie or with your mom or all your friends. Mm -hmm. If you switch, this is a cognitive choice that you're making. So it's more difficult. You're not being your authentic self. So you're actually, again, the idea that maybe you're underperforming for the very reason that you're trying to fit into the workplace because you're having to do all the the cognitive load is too much. As you're talking, like even whatever your identity is, if you're constantly being criticized for your voice, then you're spending way too much time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And you're not thinking about the content of what you're creating or whatever your job is. You're right. thinking about something pretty superficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in audio, it's still pretty superficial. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. less, it's, it's a little bit more important in audio than it is in other things, but it's still, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot less important than like <laughs> blatant misinformation. Right. Like all right. of the other things that can happen in an audio scenario. Right. Yeah. But yo, not to the, the average American. People listen to Joe Rogan because he sounds better. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Does he, though? Versus his content. I mean, does he, though? I mean, <laughs> right. Does he, though? I don't yeah. actually I mean, think he not. sounds that good. Like, he doesn't sound terrible, but he doesn't sound 
that compelling to me. But you know what? I think is that people aren't even thinking about how he actually sounds. Right. They don't, mm. they, that's his privilege. He doesn't have, right. he never thought about it when he started a podcast about how his, his voice may be perceived. Mm-hmm. I think it's like what is made invisible too is important. Yeah. I don't think people are thinking about Joe Rogan's voice when they're listening to it. Mm-hmm. No, but someone will come to Carrie and I's podcast and be like, these women's voices are too annoying. I'm not going to listen to it. Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, this leads to Maya's next question. I am kind of curious, why do people not like the sound of their voice when they hear it? Like, that's such a common thing that I hear all the time. So, like, why don't people like the way that they sound? So, really, it's because, or at least partially, it's because when you hear yourself talking, you're hearing yourself from your in, from inside, right? So, your ear is getting signals from inside of your your head. And so, you sound different than when you, like, record it separately and then listen to it mm-hmm. purely outside. Mm-hmm. And if you heard your own voice and you didn't, know it was your own voice you might not even think it was bad you might be just like oh that's fine but because you know it's your own voice and it doesn't sound like what you think you sound like it's jarring at least at first yeah think about eating chips i think i sound like so fucking loud when i'm eating potato chips (laughs) yeah 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 but it's just because the vibration of the crunch is like reverberating in your head right Mm -hmm. yeah I I so badly want to like I it, you know my prayer is that there's some teacher out there who literally does an experiment where they take all their students and have them record their voices and then afterwards just has people pick their favorite based on the sound and or you know their own personal favorite and talk about it and write about it and I, you wonder how many people will match with themselves or will pick a voice with a person they didn't expect to mm-hmm. you know or if they can even pick their own voices out of a crowd that would be mm. so interesting. Hmm. Now you all have me thinking about my favorite gross reality show, Love is Blind, and how much that's driven by like people's, you know, people's sort of innate biases about how other people sound. Right. Because that's it's so important in that scenario. Anyway, not going to turn this into a Love is Blind podcast. (laughs) No, you're so right. Yeah. So so she does sound very youthful. And and, and I think that uh, there's a generational thing here going on. So for some people hanging out with young people sounds like a good time and for some people Mm. hanging out with young people seems Mm. like oh no you're reminding me of how old i am Mm. um but also the other thing i notice is i don't see the enunciation issue at all because that would be the one piece of critique where i'd be like well maybe you know you want to be clear on the radio so people can understand you but i didn't hear anything that was like oh (laughs) yeah no. no, she's good at what she does. She's, I mean, this right. is what she's planned for. She's, you know, yeah. she's had more jobs than me and Jeannie in radio and she's younger than us. Oh, yeah. Mm. 100%. She's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she's going to keep going. You know, we're all going to be saying my wine someday. Regular. Yeah. Okay, you guys. So this question comes from Nina on Facebook. And Nina is a commercial construction carpenter. And she works on things like high rises and bridges. She's a badass. Now, her question isn't about her voice. It's about things her male coworkers have told her that she's quote unquote stubborn or hard to work with. I mean, me too. Now she says as part of her job, she asks a lot of questions because again, she's building high rises and bridges, things that you want to, uh, you know, measure once and cut twice. What's the other, what, how's it go? And her thing is if she were a guy, she'd be seen as assertive, right? Nina says, I wish I knew how to communicate with the good old boys. Mm. That's a trap. It's a trap. Oh my God. Damn. There's no way. There's no way to win. Yeah. You're not getting into that club ever. You you, you, you take your physical body with you wherever you Mm. go. So even if you could magically change the way that you spoke, 
and the way you communicated, they would still see you as a woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Making you sound like a bouncer. <laughs> you're not getting into this club. I heard you. You're not. You you think your voice matters? You can't. It's like you know when people come back with a new outfit and they're and they're like finally getting in, right? Like Cinderella style. And yeah, it's like, yeah. No, that voice is still the same. Go go. Right. Around. It's like you have your dinner jacket on finally, um, <laughs> and they're gonna. You thought they were gonna let you in, but nah, yes, you're not gonna be in the good old boys club. Um, the only thing I will say <laughs> that might work, and if it works, I'm. I don't know what to do with this. Maybe the Elizabeth Holmes voice would work. <gasps> uh, yes, I thought of that too. Yeah. Just bring it on down. Just bring it on really down. Really low. Just bring it on down. <laughs> but you still have to be white. You have to be a white woman. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to be a white and woman. even then. Yeah. And blonde. And blonde. Probably, yeah. You probably have to. And probably blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, you got to be yeah. real presenting. Yeah, you got to check all the feminine boxes. You got to remind them of their granddaughter. <laughs> oh. You have to. <laughs> So actually, that that's going to be a little bit maybe different in a construction th- site than it would be in Silicon Valley. But yeah, now I see Megan as a bouncer with a picture of someone's granddaughter and just like holding up to every single person that comes over. Is this you? Move along. Is this you? Move along. Sarah, is that you? Yeah. No, that's a Julia. Like what? <laughs> so next up, we have one from Erin Keen. She's from Facebook, and she sent us a voice message. I'm Erin and I live in Shoreline, Washington, and I have a question for the vocal fries. So the last job I had, I worked as a physical scientist for the National Ocean Service. I was there for about six years. We had three offices and there were three women that worked there and uh, around 70 plus men. So very male dominated, obviously. It was a field job. So we're out in the field about 130 days a year or so. For around, you know, two to three weeks at a time, we go out in groups of three or four people, more often than not, just due to the numbers, I was the only female. And we would travel to really remote places such as the Arctic Circle or way out to remote Pacific Islands in the middle of the ocean. And um, we did a lot of high stakes job duties such as scuba diving and uh, acts that, you know, required fall protection training, things of that nature. And often there would be little to no internet or no phone. And uh, I had this come up with a male coworker. He was actually an equal to me at the time where he made a comment that my laugh was annoying and too loud and just drove him crazy and too piercing. So my initial response was, well, that's my laugh and I don't really know how to change that. I'm sorry it bothers you. But he kept bringing it up. And over time, it just really started to grate on me and it would just make the, you know, (laughs) work environment miserable. You're stuck out in these remote places with these people and you're eating every single meal. It isn't just a eight hour a day job where you can come home and decompress. You're around each other 12 plus hours a day. So my question for you guys is, how would you respond to this coworker? You know, both the first time this happens and the subsequent times this happened. Thank you so much for your time and advice. This one is the hardest one. I mean, the first thing is, yeah, like, do you feel safe mm-hmm. enough to say something to this person? It's a good point, Megan. Yeah. And I mean, just to, okay. So just imagining you feel safe enough to say something because she asked, what would you say? Because um, it's probably going to be a man that this is happening with and you might not feel safe. So I would say something like, I don't know if you know how offensive that is. Or um, I don't know if you really mean 
for this to be mean, but it feels mean. Something like that, if you're trying to hedge a bit. Because I, hmm. again, I'm just thinking of safety, too. Even if you feel safe not to say something, it's just like, my instinct is to be really, like, walking on eggshells with it. Because you never know when it won't be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had similar thoughts. Like, I don't know how many other people were around. Um, how mm-hmm. many other people could have maybe had her back? Because, yeah, it's not a safe space to tell someone this is an unacceptable thing to say to me. I can't change the way I, I, I laugh. I laugh this way. It is my laugh. Right. I, and you know what? Some people's laughs do annoy me. But it's not my place to tell them to stop laughing. It's my place mm-hmm. to right. be slightly annoyed, mm-hmm. suck it up, and move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like in this situation, it's just, it's, it's tricky because, you know, how, how far away are they from anyone else? Like, mm-hmm. are you going to be murdered in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. I, this one is really, really tricky. And I don't think that there's a really good answer that would have actually, like, maybe there's a better way of handling it than was handled at the time, but I don't think there's a perfect way of doing it. And so if you feel badly about the way that you handled it, that's, don't. Like it's right. It's not your fault that that person was a jerk to you, mm-hmm. right? His, he's the asshole, mm-hmm. not you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like don't feel like you got walked all over just because you didn't bring it up. If you didn't bring it up, because it could be unsafe too. But it's like this is all on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another thing to remind yourself too that I would do thinking about like because I would still feel shitty, but I would remind myself that this has nothing to do with me. Ultimately. I would just make- and fuck him for thinking he has the privilege, like for thinking that he has a right to tell me that in the first place right his comfort is more important than mine that's what he's saying and Mm -hmm. i i don't care you know my comfort is at least as important as yours and um my response would have been to avoid him at all costs and just be Mm -hmm. like can i talk to the other people and say i don't really want to interact with him can you handle Mm -hmm. him for me because i that's how unsafe i would have (laughs) felt but I don't know if that's the right answer either, right? I don't, yeah. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, is there, like, someone that you do feel safe with that can talk to them? Or not, like, say, X told me to talk to you. More like, dude, that's fucked up. Why would you say that? Stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think call HR. Yeah. <laughs> that's my first thought. Is this, you know, this is this is not even having to do with the job. And, you know, Bethany, our producer, is here, and she put a great point in the comments. She said she once heard advice that criticizing someone's laugh is especially hurtful because you're criticizing an expression of joy, mm. and you can yes. reduce their expressions of joy from now on. Yep. Yeah. And for me, my laugh is my mom's laugh, mm. and it encompasses so many of my ancestors that I never met, you know? Mm. And so that was my next thought, too, of just, like, no matter, you know, how you're feeling about this, uh, you know, at the root of it, Aaron, your 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 laugh is uh, integral to who you are and to who your children are and to who your ancestors have been. And uh, fuck that dude. Yeah, yeah. fuck that dude. Yeah. Fuck know, him. All the way. I would get yeah. into like how to fuck him, but we don't yep. have time. <laughs> <laughs> how can we make that guy's life more miserable? Right. Yeah. And you know oh, what? Man. His laugh probably sucks too. His laugh probably sucks so much. Because guess what? It's it's coming from an yes. asshole. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like a fart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, it's my favorite. Oh, okay. So we got another question from a listener and this is, she's actually, she's a science reporter 
and she uh, she got a letter from somebody after she was on a radio show talking about her work and talking about the news. And here is part of what the letter said. I'm so scared. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's filled with compliments. Just kidding. Here's what it said. Your contributions to the conversation may have been insightful, witty, contributory, or brilliant. I could not tell because every time you used the word like, my blood pressure spiked and I nearly lost consciousness. I am not exaggerating when I say you used the word out of context multiple times in the same sentence. I lost count at 38. I had to turn off the radio until you were gone. Oh, Everybody on the Zoom put their hands up in a like, what the fuck gesture. Okay. Okay. For one, your heart rate needs to go down for you to pass out. So fuck you. <laughs> okay. What the fuck? Like, what is. But also die. Um... Just hurry up and die. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is my question, though. And, you know, and this is a the the question that our, um, that our listener, her name's Hannah Weinberger, that she brought up when mm-hmm. we were chatting about this, which is like. What's our responsibility for responding to criticism? No, like don't. I mean, no, don't. Nothing. None. You have no responsibility. Yeah. Hannah says she does respond sometimes, but like the amount of unpaid labor it, requ- it requires to engage with somebody like that, right? And like opening the door to potentially more harassment. Like, is it worth it ever? No. No, it's mostly not. There's probably a few times when someone has a critique that's worth engaging with the person, but this person counted. 38 likes obsessive much no no you do mm-hmm. not want to open the door to any conversation and also um uh 99 indivisible invisible 99 invisible um had 99 <laughs> 99% invisible the podcast has a automatic response basically saying fuck you if you're writing about my voice or it doesn't say fuck you they're way too nice for that but but they do say oh this is an this is an email we've noticed that this is an email about vocal fry for one of our female producer or or whatever co-hosts or something not they're not co-hosts i don't remember but anyway no even no one ever does this for men thank you for your interest but this is no one's reading this email something like that yeah so you might have one of those in your pocket like have just saved somewhere yes I have a response email too. Do you? I would say, I am sorry that you were unable to focus on the conversation because of the likes. And I imagine someone in your life has once pigeonheld you to how you speak hmm. and not what your points were. And I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I'm not going to let that happen to me here today. Be blessed as you move along in your misery. <laughs> Nice. Also, go see a doctor if you're yeah. about to pass out yeah, from listening that's to nice. the radio. And, and writing something. The thing that pisses me off about that is that you sat down and you wrote it all the way down and sent it. That was like two paragraphs of like an eight paragraph letter she got, just to be clear here. Oh, that is even ah! worse. No, then definitely do not respond. Yeah. I'm, yeah. No, yeah. No. This is like a horror yeah. movie for mm-hmm. me, Jeannie. Yeah. I know. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really special. I guess take some comfort in knowing that this happens to so many women. I mean, that's, it's horrible. But like, you know, yeah. again, this it's is not about us, you. Though. This is not about yeah. you. I hope that helps <laughs> to know that it's not about you. It's about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I once got a typed out snail mail letter. <laughs> so um, these people have, I, I wish I had the time to waste that they have, <laughs> you know, but don't bother with them. Ooh. And I also want to note that, okay, so the, they said something about like, oh, using like incorrectly or something. 
And no, no, like has many different uses. Mm-hmm. One of our, our guests, Alexandra Darcy, wrote a whole book on the 800 years of like and how it's gone, undergone all of these changes and has gotten all these new meanings over time. It's a great, I mean, it's linguistic, it's like an academic book, but it's still- It's linguistic yeah. But it's still pretty good. And um, there's at least one new, well- one unusual, quote-unquote, use of like that this person probably would find charming because it would be an Irish person saying it. So that's amazing like. <laughs> I can't do it correctly because I don't have the Irish uh, intonation pattern. Right. But uh, that would probably be like totally fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it's not a, a use of like that this person has. Yeah. Um, I hope somebody gets Hannah that book. Mm. I'm I'm praying for that for you, Hannah. I hope that one of your friends listens and they are getting you that book yes. right now. Just, you know, a coffee table. Uh, yeah. Mm. Okay. So I feel, I mean, I think part of the reason we have so many responses from people who work or have been on the radio is because we do a podcast and mm-hmm. I have a day job in radio, but also it feels like anytime somebody who's not like a straight cis white dude dares to get in front of a microphone people are just Mm -hmm. like infuriated for whatever reason yep yeah down girl (laughs) so we have another example so this is a a friend of our show who worked as a host at a public radio station on weekends and he was actually pulled off the air because his bosses said his voice made listeners uncomfortable quote unquote so important context at this point in time he was transitioning and his voice was changing and so the feedback he got from his bosses was, your voice makes listeners uncomfortable. Mm. And he was pulled off the air. Th- this is, again, where I feel like you should be able to sue. <laughs> um, but, you, but, you, but it's not protected in the same way right. as other things about us. And I think it's because people think that it is this mutable thing. You can just change your voice. Mm. So it's not the same kind of thing as um, discrimination based on um skin color or gender or whatever but it is because it is encompassing all of those things that are immutable um and it's and it's just... only so immu- it's only so mutable <laughs> right right exactly yeah mm. i mean one of the reasons i brought this up too was because we had this example before of a really specific criticism sent to hannah that we read maybe mm-hmm. maybe a quarter of. And then this criticism mm. is really, really vague, right? Yeah. Oh, your voice makes people uncomfortable. Like, what? Vague as fuck. What is mm. that? I don't know if either one of you can unpack, like, this, like, like leveraging specificity mm-hmm. against somebody versus leveraging non-specificity against mm. somebody. Well, it just kind of shows that it's all a trap, right? Like... Well, being yeah. specific or being vague, it doesn't matter. It's all just bullshit. <laughs> yes. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you should stop there. I mean, it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's our t-shirt for the show. <laughs> My guess would be it's vague with um, the latter because of maybe this sense that this is really fucked up. This this person is transitioning. Um, we can't, we can't yes. say that. That you're transitioning and you sound like mm-hmm. a man and you should or whatever, like some really shitty thing. Maybe that feels mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a sense that this is wrong. So you become more vague in your That's assessment true. of it <laughs> to protect your fucking yeah. ass. I, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they knew they were wrong. Yeah, exactly. And they and they and they made it as like as on top as they possibly yep. can. 
you know? Yep. Ugh, that bothers me so much because what you, what I would pray and happens in this circumstance is someone says, we are so gifted right now in our, in our station to have someone that is allowing us to experience an yeah. inner transition as they go from one voice to the yeah. other. And you're going to have the pleasure of experiencing this shift as they, as yeah. they experience this shift too. And we're all going to go on this journey with them. Like, I swear the way I think is so backwards when it comes to like the way the world functions. Because mm-hmm. me, when I see splashes of unique, I think, gosh, we got to go find out what, what, why they're so special, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the same way. I went to like a, um, to get yarn at like a, a knitting store. And I was like, like, I think after the, this place is too white. This is not comfortable for anyone outside of white women of a certain generation to come and learn like textile arts or fiber arts. Like, this is not cool. Like, it's the same thing where it's like, you're just opening the doors. If you have a voice of someone transitioning, yeah, what a fucking gift. And that is so um, Mm -hmm. good to open up to other ways. Because, you know, there's, we had someone on the show talking about how people just need to train themselves to um, get more familiar with different accents. So like, I struggle with British accents because I never hear British people. So I like actually put subtitles on when I'm like watching British shows. Um, But I can get better with it. Once I get into like the second season of the show, I'm better with it. And there are studies that show that you do get better with it. So it goes back to the whole idea of we need to perceive people differently. Um, and it's possible. And why are you asking them to do work and not expecting yourself to do any? And to go back to, uh, I, I think, the previous conversation that we had, uh, Diane Ream was allowed to be, or maybe maybe wasn't new on the show. But anyway, Diane Reem was allowed to be on on the air mm, yeah, yeah. while she was undergoing all these surgeries and didn't sound great. Yep. But like we, but we, right. we ha- um, were allowed to listen to her. Right. Um, and other people mm-hmm. with yeah. less power are not allowed to right have, have themselves be heard. Another mm-hmm. thing that that ma- this made me think of is when we interviewed Alice Wong and Nina G. They um, for our disability episode, like their voices are hardly ever heard, right? Alice Wong is on a, a CPAP machine. So like, that's, you know, hard to listen to. But maybe mm-hmm. that's okay. Maybe we need to like, just be open to listening to people with all different kinds of voices and all different kinds of disabilities. You know, just accepting that people sound different. And yes, sometimes it's frustrating, but maybe it's okay to be frustrated for like a few seconds and, you know, get on with listening. Yeah, maybe... Maybe you're frustrated that you weren't exposed to more voices like these. Mm. That's what you should be frustrated by, Ooh. yes. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should think of it that way. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like Stephen Hawking got away with not having a voice and having us listen to an actual computer for his information. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course, it's a very male-presenting voice, but I mean, to think that we can't um, keep opening the, the door for more voices to be heard. I'm grateful that, uh, you know, hopefully that mm. will happen as a result of this. I don't know. Yeah. And at the same time, what happens in yeah. things like documentaries or sometimes even on like the local news, we get a, a translation of what some people are saying in English because it assumed that the listeners or watchers will not understand them. Mm-hmm. Huh. And this happens to a lot of, um, Latinx people who who you can tell that the Spanish is is one of their languages. So it's Spanish influenced English. Um, but just the assumption that we won't understand them. Mm-hmm. So what are the ethics surrounding that of who we subtitle yeah. when they are speaking English? And maybe we should subtitle title everybody. Right. Yeah. 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 People have sensory processing issues, um, auditory processing mm-hmm. issues. It would be helpful. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really interesting. 
Oh, that's such yeah. a good point. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, as we're talking about this and, you know, none of us are in positions of power or are we being these monsters who are writing these random ass emails. Um, <laughs> we're probably more likely just the coworkers, right? So how do coworkers support each other when it comes to voice policing? Mm, that's really good. Well, if you notice someone doing it to someone else, maybe you can say, oh, I think her, that person's voice is great. Why are you, why are you talking about this? Or can mm-hmm. we maybe just not talk about voice especially most workplaces voices are not relevant like at all like I know your <laughs> yours it is so it's a little bit trickier <laughs> but in most it isn't so if you're bringing it up right. what like can we just not <laughs> <laughs> you could also say to the person that this that experienced it that I saw what happened yeah sometimes yeah. validating it is really that's step that's probably step one yeah yeah. I also love what you talked about in the last episode, the idea of getting together with other people to see if they've had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we're a big fan of documenting patterns around here. Like, <laughs> that could be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe over time, this can be something that can be changed in the law. I mean, I don't know. Some Supreme Court is kind of a mess right, right now. But I don't know. Pretend that we live in a different world. Oh, boy. You know, maybe there could be a case brought on the basis of voice instead of sex or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like, maybe there's a change that can be made. Yeah. I know. I keep sounding like a total American saying you should sue everyone. And that's not the point that I want to make. It's more like, God, we... We sue over such fucking terrible things, stupid, like things that shouldn't be sued over. But this. There's no recourse. There's no other. <laughs> no recourse. Exactly. There's no other recourse in the United States. Like, so in other countries, there are, there's better regulation, like stronger regulatory bodies that can step in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the United States has been chipping away at those for mm. a long time. And so really, you're mm. left with suing. That, like, that, that is your recourse for many things. What, what countries so. are these countries, right. Carrie? Where should we be going? <laughs> Canada, <laughs> pretty, pretty much all of them. <laughs> Anyone besides the one that we live in. Oh, yeah. God. Almost. Yeah. I mean, there are others that Ugh. are bad too, but. Um. So we talked a little bit about coworkers and how we can support each other, but like we also hold out the hope that there are bosses and managers listening to this who want to make their workplaces less mm-hmm. less toxic. So what do they need to be doing here? So many things. Well, they should shut down any of those converse, conversations, right? Yeah. As soon as it comes up, no, that is not an acceptable thing to say to you, your coworker or to your underling or to your superior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's less likely to be in that direction, but mm-hmm. people are allowed to sound the way they sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, I'm thinking about something that happens a lot in the workplace is emails or memos or whatever. And if you're in a position of power, I think, again, in the burn it down type of world, you tell your employees that um, they can write memos and, you know, whatever way that they want to write memos. And it's not a reflection of anything besides um, the company policy of, of actual equity um, that, you know, because right now, as it stands, which is kind of like a neoliberal response would be like, OK, you better be very specific on how you want these memos or emails written. And everyone needs to, like, follow the same standards. Um but that's really hard for a lot of people. And that is also hiding authentic voices from the workplace, which we talked about is actually something that puts that is like a load, a cognitive load. So, yeah, when we're thinking about voices and writing and, and all of this in the workplace, you need to think about how you are actively harming the 
I mean, your your manager or uh, boss, the production of whatever needs to happen in your place because of what you're putting on your employees. That's unfair and not really a big deal mm-hmm. in the long run. I wish that they would almost have it like in a in your you know your new hire packet. You know, in this workplace, mm-hmm. we respect yeah. people's voices. Uh, yeah, it's not Absolutely. okay to to show any kind of yeah, just period. Yeah. That's even better. And walk the walk afterwards. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I wish it's something like this is this is a collective space. Everyone in here is uniquely different and we expect you to get to know them and value them individually because they are yeah. they are valuable yes. to us. Um, yes. Again, sneaky, yeah. sneaky yeah. Union. union. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yes, unions are not they're not going to solve mm-hmm. all these issues, but they could help a lot. Uh, in this area, if as long as the people involved in the unions mm-hmm. were also on board with this, but yeah. yes, that would be one way to get there. Man, I so I have to say here, like the thing that I keep coming back to, that that you both have talked about is like it really like what you're talking about here is just asking other people to consider how their words and actions affect other people. Yeah, yeah. it's the golden rule. Don't be an asshole. It's, it- <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah so what about like yeah. you know for the anyone's like what about anyone who's listening like really my auntie who you know back in 1999 made it a point to tell me you know right. that i that i finally grew into my voice so you know but what about anyone what do they need to do you know to be doing less policing you know about well, how other people sound just stop yourself from saying it out loud at least <laughs> keep it inside we all make judgments about other people all the time and sometimes they're fine but they just shouldn't be expressed wait a minute are you telling me that just because we have a thought we shouldn't say that thought out loud (laughs) yep what yeah right absolutely stop and think (laughs) this is news to me yeah no no it's i think yeah stop and think is our thing too and stop definitely but hey you want you want to go above and beyond think (laughs) think about why (laughs) radical (laughs) for extra credit Oh, just be man. kinder to p- other people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is there a reason that you need to say this right now? Like, there are some small instances where, like, editing somebody's yeah. work, make you have to edit it because that's your job. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. fine. But, like, right. if you're, like, responding to someone else's text, yeah, you know, why are you correcting them? Like, why? What is it serving? No, no it's not serving anybody mm-hmm. except for maybe your ego. That's a good point. Mm. Think about whether or not you're being helpful mm. and why you think you're being helpful. And mm. if it's rooted in white supremacy, <laughs> the answer is it probably is. Oh. Probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> My gosh. I would keep, I think, I feel like we would keep you here for a whole nother hour if we could, mm-hmm, because this mm-hmm. has been so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Megan Figueroa and Carrie Gillen are linguists and co-hosts of the Vocal Fries podcast. Thank you both so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having us. Well, thanks for having us on. We're so grateful. Thanks, y'all. Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace is an independent podcast. Our senior producer is Kyle Norris, and our show is mixed by Bethany Denton. Our production partner is Studio 2B Seattle. This podcast was co-founded in partnership with KUOW Puget Sound Public Radio and the University of Washington. We were inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club by Jessica Bennett. Our music is by Cassia Gordon and our brand design is by Tio. 
You can find Teo on Instagram at T-E-O dot underscore Dora, which is spelled D-O-R-A. And huge, massive, gigantic, big, big thanks. Big, big. To Phyllis Fletcher, Bree Ripley, and Dana Bialik. Thank you all so much. You can get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BTSW Podcast or by emailing btswpodcast at gmail.com. And if you love the show, help us make it. Patronize us. Become a patron at patreon.com slash btsw. And as long as you're at your computer or your phone, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And then tell a friend about our show. Word of mouth is actually the biggest way our audience grows, which is extremely cool. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys. Keep fighting the good fight. Bye, everyone. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.